Welcome to the Summit Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit summitsanmarcos.com. be different if we were to walk around and realize that Jesus is with us really and because he is in every single little thing that we do and, and I and I kind of wanted to challenge us because I feel like I, I mean I don't know all of you super personally well but I know a lot of you and I feel like oh we are in a place in our lives where we can be challenged by this I feel like we're at a place where in our Christianity where it's like we go through life and we are, um, there's so much grace. I'm going to start it off by saying like all these things that I'm going to say, we have to remember that we are covered by grace. So like I don't constantly remember to like control the way that I think about things. Like I say bad words on occasion, like Dominic can testify to that if I get mad, you know, like I'm not perfect by any means. Like this is actively something that I'm like attempting to work through, but I feel like we're at a place, and and from the majority of the way I know you guys, but also, like, you hit a point in your Christianity where it's time to be called higher. We hit a place where, where it's time to start walking a little bit, a little bit deeper, a little bit more intricate. Because the thing is, is, is to live like Jesus means walking through day-to-day life, keeping him at the forefront of our mind, and, and wanting to be like him. I don't know about, like, I don't know about you guys, but, like, Ultimately, that's the heart, right? The more you hang out with God, the more time you spend with the more time you spend with somebody, you become more like them, right? You notice people like siblings or, or family, your mannerisms, your the way you talk, things that you say. You know, uh, I find myself quoting things like Dominic says and vice versa. Like the more you hang out with someone, the more you start to say things like them. Or when we all hang out with Pastor Andrew, like how many of us have picked up on Pastor Andrew's catchphrases yeah. over the last for me now seven years? You know, it's it, that's what happens when you hang around somebody. So the more time that we spend with Jesus, the more time we spend with the Lord, the more time we begin to look like them, the more time we begin to, that our heart begins to reflect them. And ultimately, that's how the gospel is preached throughout the world, right? Because the, the more that we act like Jesus, the more that we walk like him and, and, and attempt to be closer to him, the more that people see that in us in our everyday lives. We are called to be the example of mercy, grace, and love and kindness on this earth and by how we live our lives. So I wanted to read Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. It talks about how God is rich in mercy in verse 4. God is so rich in mercy and he's so loved and he so he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sin, he gave us life that we raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that we have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So So God can point to us in all future ages as an example of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us, for those who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you cannot take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God wants to do life with us. That is why he sent Jesus, because he cares about intricately intricately being involved in our everyday lives. Jesus paid the price for our sins so that we could be intimate with God. Without Jesus, without Jesus to bridge the gap, there's no opportunity for us to have absolute intimacy with him. And our goal in life is not to spend it running around trying to atone for our sin and for our mistakes, because Jesus paid for that. So if we run around our whole lives trying to correct everything that we've done wrong, we can, we like diminish the point of Jesus. And yes, like Whoa. there's going to be moments where we're going to need to like fix our mistakes because that happens. Like practically, you know, if, if you spill something, you go pick it up again, you know, and you clean up your mess. Like but that things like that happen. But ultimately, if we go around trying to fix every little thing that we've done wrong, we have done wrong. We defeat the point of Jesus because he paid for that. He paid for our sin. He paid for our mistakes. He paid for our struggles. So if we try to go around and fix our own sin, we're like taking away the point of Jesus. It's almost like an insult saying like, you know, what, you're, you, what you did on the cross wasn't good enough for me. So I have to go try to fix my own mistake. And I'm going to tell you right now that that is like me. I'm so bad at trying to like 
no, 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 Jesus, it's okay. I don't want to inconvenience you more than I already have. So I'm going to handle this one. And Jesus is like, really, Emily? Like, what I did wasn't enough for you because I didn't already inconvenience myself enough? Like, come on. Like, stop trying to be humble. Stop trying to like, oh, no, Jesus, it's okay. Let me just deal with this on my own. Like, knock it off. Like, take what I have given you. It is a free gift from God. So take it and stop trying to like think that you're better than you are because you're not. And like, just to be real, like, I just, that's, that's where I'm at. I'm just going to tell you. It's true. So our goal is to be intimate with our Father and, and Jesus and let that be shown in everything that we do. So my heart for tonight is for us to be encouraged to live our lives in a way that Jesus is evident, evident in every single thing that we do. Do we really believe that by the way that we act, the way that we, like, behave in our day-in-day lives preaches the gospel? Do we think that even without talking about Jesus people can realize Jesus is evident in our lives. Do we live and do we live our lives in that way? Do we live our lives in a way where we act and behave in a way that Jesus is evident without having to say the name Jesus? Think about there's people in our everyday lives. I'm sure you guys can think of there's some there's someone who if you're around them, you walk a little bit taller, you watch the way that you talk, you don't say certain things. Do we all have those people? Okay, Pastor Daniel maybe is an example, right? We all think we're a little bit more aware of what we say when we're around people like that, right? That challenge us to live at a higher capacity. Well, that's Jesus with you every single day. Jesus is with you right there. So we shouldn't wait for like a physical person to walk in the room to try to live our lives at a higher caliber because Jesus is actually with you more than any of those people are. I want to give just like a small like, example with practically with people. My dad, uh, I grew up in like the off-road racing industry. My dad has raced off-road since long before I was born and my whole life. And so I grew up getting to go to the desert. And it's like my favorite thing about my childhood was this getting to go and be a part of it. And I love to like just get involved in everything. But the thing is about that industry, if anyone knows anything, it is not exactly the holiest of industries. Uh, there's a lot of, of things that are exposed and a lot of trash talk and all of these kind of things and and one of my favorite things was that my dad is my dad is a talker my dad loves to talk but my dad isn't exactly the the boldest guy in the room when it comes to like talking in front of people or talking about his faith or even controversial things he's just not he'll talk to you about stories all day long but he's just not somebody that like will boldly go around and just be like jesus loves you like he does more by way he acts which is the point of my story um but we were involved when we growing up we did a family race team where it was like all my family and um, and extended family and, and the majority of that my family is actually on that portion of my family is actually saved which is super awesome um, but there was something that people always noticed that was different about us and I can remember um, like my dad always saying that when he, he grew up in construction too and, and that people would always talk differently when they were around him because my dad never cussed my dad didn't talk da- bad about my mom. He didn't talk trashy about women. He didn't like go around and say disgusting things, and he didn't and he didn't cuss. And there would be a difference when my dad would walk in the garage or walk out of the garage with the way people talked and behaved themselves and handled themselves to when the new he wasn't there. And and there would be guys who would own it. They'd be like, "Man, I just like I just want to be different when I'm around you. I don't want to say that kind of stuff." Or there's something about different about you and your family. Like, what's so different about you and your family? And he'd be like, "Well, we we love Jesus. We go to church." God's important to us. I don't need to talk this way. I don't need to talk about my wife like that. I don't need to act this way because that's that's like where what's the good in that? You know, or these guys that would go through wives and girlfriends and my dad's been married to my mom since she was 19 years old. They've been married for 30, almost 35 years now. And they'd be like, you know, why do you, how have you been married this long? How did you do it? How did you stick with one woman your whole life? My parents have only ever been with each other. How do you do that? Well, because that's what we committed to that. We made a commitment to God. We made a commitment to each other. And there was something about that that was such a huge testimony to the environment and the, the community and the people that we were in when we were involved in the racing community more than I think he would have if he had stood on the pedestal and preached the gospel at any of the award ceremonies. People noticed that there was something different about our family. People noticed something different about him. And that is what our lives are like. If we remember that Jesus is in everything that we do and we act in a way as if he's in the room with us, how would we be different? So how does that look like for us? Do we, would we cheat on our tests? Would we talk about people that way? Would we gossip? Would we say, oh, did you see that outfit? Or, oh, did you hear what they said? How would you even talk about yourself differently? You realize, okay, Jesus is in you, right? Jesus, God, you were created by God. Jesus is with you. Jesus is everything about you. 
if you were to stand in the mirror and say those things to yourself, would, would you say that if he was standing right next to you in the room? If he was physically there with you, would you think that about those? Would you even think those things about yourself? How would you, would you, would you watch that movie? Would you read that book? Would you listen to that song if Jesus was in the car with you? When you're on your way to work, would you crank that song? How would you drive? Would you, would you obey the speed limit? <laughs> would you cut that person off? That's a big one. Like, think about how Jesus, how differently would you drive if Jesus was in the car with you? Let's just be real. How about in your, in your relationship with your significant other? If you're not married, I want you to hear this one. If you guys aren't, if you're not married, how would you act physically in a relationship with your significant other? I had someone tell me one time when I was a leader in youth group, when I was a leader in youth group, one of the biggest questions you'd get was, how far is too far? I'm just going to go here for a second. And, and I remember asking my leader, like, okay, then, then what is the answer to that? And she said, okay, here you go. She said, if you're sitting in a room with the person, if you're on a couch, and you're sitting with the person next to you that you're dating, and across from you is your future spouse and Jesus, would you be doing those things, would you want to do any of those things in front of them if they weren't, if they weren't in the room? Uh, and then we're like, no. She's like, okay, then, then that's how far too far is. If you're not comfortable doing what you're going to do with the person that you're dating right now across the room from your future spouse and Jesus, then you shouldn't be doing it. Like, well, what if you're dating your future spouse? You're kind of insulting, like, your marriage covenant. Like, that's the whole point of marriage, right? You're saving that for your future self, you know? That's an insult to my future self if I break those rules now. Like, Mrs. Emily Groves is going to be super mad if Emily Walters crosses any boundary lines that she shouldn't be crossing. It's true. Like, that's real. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you practice it now. You behave yourself now as if you were when you were married, and then you don't have to worry about your thought life when you're married. You don't have to worry about how you're going to be lusting after somebody else once you're married. Because if you go through this process where, ooh, that guy's really cute. I'm going to go chase after him. Oh, this guy's really cute. Oh, this girl. And you go person after person after person. You just expect it to stop when you find the perfect person. It's not going to stop. But if you practice that thought process now as you live as if Jesus is in the room with you and you say, God, I'm going to wait for the right person to dream about them. I'm going to wait and keep my thought, take every thought captive so that when the time comes, I'm not battling these things I don't need to battle. Ultimately, some, like, part of the reason we do this is we save ourselves a lot of grief. Like, I don't know about you, but I would like to make better decisions in my life so I don't have to, like, feel bad about it later. <laughs> you know, like, that's part of the reason, right? I don't know, like, for me, for, I went through a season where I feel like I would hear the Lord tell me something to do and I would deliberately not do it. And it came to this place where I was almost numb. And then I brought myself to where I needed the Lord to pull me out of this huge pit and turn my life around. And if I had just listened to God every time he said, Emily, don't go there. Emily, don't text that person. Emily, don't respond to that text. Don't go there. Don't hang out with this person. Don't see this. What are you doing? Come back this way. Like, how many years of grief would I have saved myself? Like, granted, like, it's my testimony, and I'm thankful for what the Lord has taught me, and I'm thankful for those lessons. But I probably could have learned those lessons if I'd listened to God the first time he said, don't do that. And sometimes, like, sometimes a no is a good thing. You know, it's the Lord says, you think, oh, but God... Why am I going to church instead of going to this party? I want to go hang out with my friends, but I'm supposed to go to church and serve tonight. What am I doing? Well, you know what? There's like, there's sometimes a yes for to do one thing is better than a no to go do the other thing. Anyways, that was like a major tangent. I'm sorry. So I'm not trying to say <laughs> that being said. I'm just saying, this is what I've gone through, guys. This is just, this is my reality, okay? So here's the thing is, is, is the thing is, is you're not a terrible person. Like, we are not terrible people for this. Like, we are under grace and we are under mercy. And I don't want you to sit here and think, like, oh, my gosh, I suck. Oh, my gosh, like, I'm a bad Christian. I need to change everything in my life. I've done everything wrong. Like, that is so not the heart of tonight. That is not the heart. God, we are under grace and we are under love. We are not condemned. But we are at a point where we need to challenge ourselves to live a little bit higher, to live a little bit better, to live in a place where... We can overcome some of our challenges now so that in five years, it's going to be so much easier for us. I know I've told you guys this story before, but I went through a season several years ago where um, I would like call a friend for a problem and they wouldn't answer. And I'd go through all these things and I'd like exhaust all my resources and no one would answer. 
And I'd be like, no one's there for me. And God's like, actually, I'm here for you. And no one's picking up because I want to connect with you and go get with you on your problem so we can connect. And it literally happened to me all the time for years to the point where that's what I did. And then I went to God for my problem. So when I hit real tragedy and a, a, someone really close to me passed away and my whole life got like shaken, the first thing I did was go, Jesus, what's going on right now? Like, I need you, Lord, more than I need anybody else because you're the one who's going to, like, still my heart. You're the one that's going to tell me it's okay. And you're the one that's going to love me through the brokenness. Not everybody else. Because everyone else, is, they might give you great advice now, but I can tell you the best advice you are ever going to get anywhere is from the Lord. Even if that means you have to wait for that advice because there's probably a reason you're waiting for that. <laughs> So, we're never going to be perfect, and we're never going to accomplish all of these things perfectly. And, and it's not about work so that none may boast. We're saved under grace. So know that everyone in this room is grace for all of our goals to try to live a better way. But why not challenge ourselves to live better? Why not challenge ourselves to, to act as if Jesus is in the room with us? I found this verse that was... Uh, Oh, it's a little intense, but it's good. It's in Ecclesiastes 11.9. It says, Young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything that you do. I think I, I, I say that because I think sometimes we think that is awesome. I want to live like a Christian. I'm going to do all these things, but I'm going to wait until after I'm 25 because I want to enjoy being 21 for a couple of years. I want to enjoy my college age. That's what I did. I told the Lord, I was like, God, I want, why can't I be like a good Christian when I'm like older? Why do I have to deal with all that stuff right now? Like, I remember, I'm serious. I remember being like 19 and feeling God pull on my heart and being like, I want you to come live for me right now. And I was like, no, why do I have to do it right now? I want to go be like everyone else and have fun till I'm like 22, 23, have an encounter with the Lord and then go be a Christian. Like, I'm not even kidding you. This was like an active thought process in my life. And God was like, that is not what I want you to do. This is not how I want you to live your life. I want you to live it for me now. And I'm so thankful because I'm like, oh my gosh, how much more things would we have had to go through? How much more things would we put ourselves through? But if we say, now I'm going to start living for the Lord. I am going to, now God, I'm going to try to take every thought captive. You know what? I didn't do that today. It's okay, Lord. Forgive me. Thank you that you forgive me. Today I'm going to take every thought captive. And then the next day, and then the next day, it's the same thing over and over again. We, it, it does take a little bit of work. There is grace. And there is mercy. And it's not about work so that none may boast. You're saved by grace. You're saved by love. You're saved by mercy. But it does take a little bit of work. It does take, we can't just expect that grace and mercy to fix everything. It doesn't just fix all of our problems. We have to consciously make an effort to try to overcome these situations. So how, so the way that we bring, live our lives brings glory to God. And everything that we do, and even in how we work, it honors him. And we, you say, okay, how about my work life? What about how can everything I do at my job, even if, I, if it's not in ministry, be for Jesus? And Colossians 3.23-24 through, 3, 23 through 24 says, Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you're, you are working for the Lord rather than for people. So that applies even to your work. If you don't really like your job and you're unhappy there, but you feel like it's where you're supposed to be, then position your heart in a place where, God, I'm coming here for you every day. What if Jesus was your boss? Would you, like, when you walk into the room, like, for example, I work in a restaurant. When I walk into those front doors, do I think of my boss? And, like, if Jesus was my boss, would I pick up that trash? Would I pick up that plate? Would I wash this dish a little bit better? Would I make sure that there's salt and pepper on this sandwich? Like things like the little things. Like would we, if everything that we did, not you're not like, you know, what if Jesus was your boss? How differently would we live in the way that we work? But also it's the same thing when it comes to like, to changing ourselves. I don't, don't change yourself because you want, the, you think that you, the, your pastor needs you to change. Change because you want to do it for the Lord. Overcome your problems because you want to do it for God, not because you want to do it for anybody else. It's not about anybody else. It's between you and the Lord. So you need to choose in your heart to make your decisions, to, to make a decision for whether it's your job, whether it's, it's what you're changing in your life, whatever it is, you do it for the Lord and for yourself, not for anybody else. And to remind yourselves of that, that we're not looking for, for man approval. I love this quote that I found today from Martin Luther. It says, The Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little, shoe, putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. Yeah. 
He's not looking at you to like stamp a cross on every little thing that you walk by, but to do everything that you do with excellence. And to, and to live in a way that, you, that we look for excellence. Uh, Papa Chase said this on, um, I'm going to talk about this in a little bit, but Papa Chase said this on uh, Sunday. He was saying how in Psalm 8, it says that uh, even the name of Jesus was excellent. Everything that, it says that everywhere like the, the name is proclaimed, there's excellence, something like that. Yeah. I didn't write it down. And even the name of Jesus was excellent. So everything that Jesus did was done with excellence. Like when he was a carpenter, do we really think that he like, built a crappy table? Like, do we think that he built, you know, like, in, in Passion of the Christ, we saw that Jesus invented the table, you know? <laughs> like, you know, uh, he invented chairs. I don't know, really, but that's what it looks like, you know? And so, but did Jesus build a sturdy chair? Would you trust the chair that Jesus sat on? Like, if he built that, would you trust you to sit on it? You would, right? So when you're doing something, are we going to take a shortcut because we wanted to get it done quick, or are we going to do it the right way so that it's done with excellence, even if it takes us a little bit longer? We do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. It's like one of the most famous quotes. I don't even know where it comes from. Maybe it comes from the Bible. I just do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. So how do we do that? How do we practically accomplish all of these things that we are talking about and living in a way that Jesus is evident in all the things that we do? So point number one is Jesus is always with you. In the Great Commission, he, we all know, like Matthew 28, 18 to 20, so Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given you all authority on heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing name the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He was given all authority, and he gives it to us. And then he tells us to go and make disciples of all the nations. And he says, I will be with you always. He doesn't say sometimes. He doesn't say in certain situations. He says always. So when I looked at the words in the Greek, so in uh, the definition like regularly of always is at all times and in all occasions. In the Greek, it's the word pas, and it says it means each, every, any, all, the whole, everyone, all things, everything, collectively and individually. Literally everything. The other thing that I thought was really interesting is in the Greek, there's also this word that we don't have a word for in English. It's called himera, and it talks about time. And it's a, it's a word referring to specific times of day or specific um, times of the year. And the word, that, so it, and I believe I don't, conjugated, it's, it has different forms and different vowels to mean, basically when he says that, he says always, meaning every, all the time, all this stuff. And then he says this word that has to do with time, which literally means all the time. So not only is he with us in everything, in all things, but he's with us all the time, through all of, of time. It, it, the word it like encompasses all of it. Like there's this deep meaning behind what he says. And I love that there's even like this word that there's not an English word for, meaning all the time, for all time, everything, all time, time. All of it. <laughs> all of time. In every aspect. From, you know, if we're going to get into like time travel, they're like horizontal, vertical, literal, all that stuff. All of all of time. In every aspect of all of us, whether you're a Christian or not, he's there. He is always with you. So that means that not only does he call us to live higher, but he actually gives us the ability to do it because he is with us all the time in every situation, all the time. Like, he is with us all the time. We're not expected to overcome things, to, to challenge ourselves, to call ourselves to live higher without him. He is with you. Christ inside of you, the hope of glory. Meaning the power of resurrected Jesus helps you to live in a way that's honoring to God. If you don't feel like you don't have the strength to overcome something, you, all you have to do is look inside at Jesus inside of you and you have the strength to overcome it. 1B says, Jesus being with you gives the strength to overcome your trials. So, in, and, and he gave us an example of that. So in Matthew 4, for 1 through 11, Jesus is tempted in the desert. He was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. It's hot. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He was like fasting everything for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. And the devil comes out and the devil tempts him with food. Tells him like, if you can turn the stone into bread. Tells him like, gives him power. Takes him to the top of something and tells him if he jumps off, the angels will catch him. Uh, and then gives him authority. He says that if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of these lands. But the thing is, is that all of those things, including food, was already promised to Jesus by God. So, but the devil offered it to him and tried to take this spin on it before the time was ready. 
And each time the devil tempted him, Jesus combated him with scripture. Each time Jesus had a reason and a scripture and said, get behind me, Satan. He had all a scripture to combat all the things that he was going through. And he doesn't have to live in, he did not have to give in to the temptation. So the thing is, is that power, the, that knowledge is inside of you because Jesus is inside of you. So knowing scripture is a huge part in, in combating and, and us having the ability to overcome some of these things. Are you guys with me? I feel like we kind of all of a sudden everyone went, oh, okay. So, so how did Jesus do that? Point number two, he hung out with the Trinity. He hung out with Father God. He hung out with himself. <laughs> he hung out with Holy Spirit because we become like who we were around, like I was saying earlier. In John 5, 19 to 23, and, and he says, um, so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything that he's doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. He just gotten done at healing a man at the pool of Bethesda. Um, for just as the father gives life, and, in, and that you will be truly astonished. For just as the father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. And then you jump down to verse 30. He talks about, then he talks about like challenging and judgment and all this stuff. And then you talk, jump down to verse 30. It says, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own. So he says, God has given me authority. I, I only do what my Father I only do what I see my father doing. I only respond to what I see the father doing. And I do what God says, tells me to do. But he's given me all this authority to do it. And then at the end he says, but I only do what God has shown me how to do. He turns it back to the father again at the end. So he has, the, how does he know what the father's doing? He had to have hung out with him, right? He had to have spent quality time with God in order to know the heart of God, in order to know what God was doing. Meaning that, if he didn't do something that God didn't want him to do. And Jesus knew the word. He combated the devil with it. He spent time in prayer. The Bible shows us in multiple times throughout scripture where Jesus goes away to pray or Jesus goes and spends time with, with God. So for us, spending quality time with God, spending quality time in the word is a practical way for us to be able to, to, to call ourselves higher. So, and how does that, what does that mean? What does that look like to live in a way that Jesus did? Well, if we open our Bibles and we turn to Matthew, we can look at how Jesus lived. And again in Mark and Luke and John and, and then throughout the New Testament. Like, and I don't mean that to sound in like a, oh, guess what? Look, read your Bible kind of way, but it's true. Like, if there's so many times where I have a friend of mine, like, I just don't know what Jesus is saying. I don't know if this is his heart. And I remember telling her, like, well, have you spent time finding out what his heart is? And she's like, no. And I said, well, read, like, oh, let's, like, spend some time in the Word. Spending time in the Word teaches you to know the heart of the Father. Spending time with God, you catch on to who God is. You see his character. You can tell how consistent he is throughout scripture. So when he begins to speak in your life, you know it. Because you know the voice because you spent time with him. And I think that's so key is going to God in all of the little things. Like, I remember Pastor Andrew giving an example one time that he was even like, God, what kind of shirt do I wear today? <laughs> and like, I know this sounds simple, but you, you, if you, inter you implement God into every aspect of your life. Should I turn right or should I turn left? Should I take the freeway or should I take the back roads? Like, should I wear this t-shirt today? Should I eat this for lunch or should I eat this for lunch? Should I hang out with these friends or should I stay home? Like, that sounds simple, but there's silly to ask about all of these little things. But if we become accustomed to interacting with God in every aspect of our everyday life, then when it comes to the big things, we know his voice. We're accustomed to hearing what he has to say. He cares about every little intricate detail. But we tend to care more about the big things, right? So while we might not care what Jesus says about our shirt today, we care about who he says we're supposed to marry, or we care about what job he wants us to take. So the more time we spend with him, the more time that we're intricately connecting our hearts with God, the more that we're going to be able to hear his voice clearly and understand what his heart and his will for us in our life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Same thing with, like, Jesus. And just, just knowing Jesus and his compassion for people, or, or even like the Holy Spirit, spending time praying in the Spirit, spending time connecting with the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, we want to encounter more, maybe we want more gifts, maybe you want to be able to walk in the prophetic a little bit more, maybe you want to, to, to be able to see more healing, or, or, um, or even just like, or have more compassion for people. 
spend time praying and connecting with the Holy, with the Holy Spirit. Like, there, it's all God, but there's something about even, like, deliberately, like, okay, Holy Spirit, like, what am I supposed to do right now? Where are you moving? How are you ministering? And begin to, like, if you want to see more of how the Holy Spirit moves and you're like, okay, I need to begin to, like, experiment, for lack of a better word, with this, one of the, one of the best ways Pastor Daniel taught me this is pray and ask God what he's doing in, like, a worship service. Because every Thursday, every Sunday, you know, some, whether it's Pastor Taylor or Pastor Daniel or somebody gets up and does a type of ministry time. And so he said, pray and ask God what he's doing and begin to become aware of what God's doing and then see what happens when the minister gets up. And I can tell you, when you begin to to try to tune in to what God is doing in the room and what the general, like, heart is for a service, like, you get connected to it. And it's cool to get up, have Pastor Daniel get up there and suddenly the sermon he starts talking about was what you felt like God was telling you. And it's a reaffirmation because it's between like you and the Lord like, oh my gosh, I hear God's voice. I know what God is saying. And, he's, and it's a great way for you to practically like practice getting connected to the Holy Spirit. So then when you're in a moment where you're praying for somebody or you're in the mission field or even just here, you're not going like, is this a word for them or is this in my head? Is this a word for them or is this in my word in my head? You take a chance and you go for it. And because you've been accustomed to hearing the voice of God and, and getting listening to Holy Spirit speak to you and connect with you and, and, and being able to say, this is what God's saying. This is what God's doing because I know the voice of God and I've heard the voice of God. Jesus was able to, to make decisions because he knew without a doubt, like you, he couldn't have gone to the cross if he didn't know without a doubt that he was the son of God. And, and I think that sometimes we think that it must have been so easy because he was born, but he was also, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. He had to make the choice to go to the cross. He had to make a conscious decision to sacrifice his life. It, wasn't, it was not just this, I will do it because God said. He had to make a choice. Because I mean, in, the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays and sweats blood, asking God if there's any possible way for this to happen any other way, that he would, li- that he would like it to be taken from him. But if not, he said he would do it. So that to me says that God, that Jesus understood it, like the depth of what he was doing and, and how much it was going to hurt. And how hard it was. It said he took all of our sin in his body. And um, uh, in a verse I'm going to read in a minute. It says in Peter. It says for Second Peter. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. So he felt fully everything. And he, and he made that choice. But he did it because he was so accustomed to knowing the heart of the Father. And knowing what God said that he knew that he would be raised from the dead. He knew he was going to go to heaven. Because I even think about it that way. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's fully God, but he's also fully man, which means he was probably afraid. Because it's not a sin to, to be afraid. It's, it's not. It's also not a sin to, to have anger. Like, he walked into, I was reading today, uh, and when he went into the, I think it was in John I was reading, where he went into the temple and, like, destroyed everything because he was mad that they were messing up the father's house. And that was even something that was spoken about in, like, times before that said he would have, like, an overwhelming compassion for the church. And his disciples watched as that prophecy was fulfilled because he destroyed everything that was, like, destroying, that was, like, making the temple bad. So he had to make that decision. So, so that tells me that he knew what it meant to hear what God said and say, okay, God, I trust you, God. I've seen you f- fulfill in my life. So I trust you that this is the right thing to do, even though this is going to be the hardest thing anyone has ever done in the history of everything. I kind of got heavy. Sorry. <laughs> so how do we continue to challenge ourselves to live in a way that looks like Jesus? So point number three is living with integrity, honor, and excellence. And these were just kind of some of the three words that just stuck out to me, it, whether it be from um, just things. We talk about this a lot about all of these things at, at my work. I do work for a Christian-based company, which is awesome, but we talk about doing everything with integrity. Um, there's a quote somewhere that says, knowing the right thing to do, and not choosing not to do it is cowardice. And I remember the first time I read that, it was actually attached to the director of training. It was like her tagline in her email. And she's all about doing everything the right way. And I remember being super convicted because of all the shortcuts I was taking. I know it sounds simple, like shortcuts when it comes to making sandwiches, whatever. But I was like so convicted about not doing my job with integrity because that was what was placed before me. And that was my responsibility was to do my job with integrity. And I, and I wasn't. And I remember being so convicted just by that simple line, like, <clears throat> oh, like, I need to do this the right way. Not because, you know, the, my way I think is easier and better, but because this is the right way to do it. This is the way that has been set before me, and I'm working with honoring the Lord. And, and honoring God means doing it the right way. And, and, I, and that's something that I try to really think about at work when I'm, like, tired and I want to 
take a shortcut or or whatever it is or is reminding myself that I'm doing this unto God. So if Jesus was my boss and he was standing in the room with me, like would I give my current boss lip about what I like, don't want to do or that I think that that's stupid or would I honor the authority that's been set before me and would I just do it because it's the right thing to do? And so, like I said, Psalms 8, it talks about how the excellent the name is. So like, like I said about the carpenter, like Jesus did everything with excellence. I mean, even look at, like, like he healing people. Like, did he half heal anybody? You know what I mean? Like, did he, like, oh, you know what? I'm going to unparalyze one leg, but I'm going to leave the other one paralyzed. <laughs> you know, I only want to half do this one. Or I'm going to open one eye, but not the other. You know, or I'm going to get you halfway into the pool of Bethesda, but I'm not going to get you all the way out. You know, like, he didn't half do anything that he did. And he even, like, took the time, I was thinking today about how he takes the time to stop and see the people that didn't feel like they were seen. I was thinking of the, the woman with the issue of blood and how he's on his way to go help this family that's broken because their daughter is dying. But he takes the time to stop and, and affirm the woman with the issue of blood who touched his garment, had the faith to touch his garment and be healed. She said, even if I just touch the hem of the garment of him, I will be healed. And she was. And Jesus took the time to, like, to even affirm her and recognize her in that. Or what about stopping for um, the the woman who was being stoned and taking in and like he didn't some of these things like he didn't need to do that like that was something common in that day he didn't need to stop but he did and, and I think about how does that you know uh, even apply for us and now I'm not saying we need to stop at every single person that we walk by that looks like they're having a hard time but but what if we did? What if we did, like, <laughs> what if we didn't turn our head at the person that was asking for money on the side of the road, you know? And I had, that is, like, a hard thing for me. That is a hard thing for me because I grew up with, my grandpa was, a, was super generous, and one time he had somebody who, um, he would take him to, like, get breakfast once a week or whatever he did, and this was a long time ago, and he found him a job. He, like, went through all this effort to help find this guy a job, and the guy was like, no, I don't, I just want to get free handouts, and he, like, went back to his thing. And so that was a mentality that I'd grown up kind of grown up with because I, I just assumed that that's what I meant for everybody that I saw was that oh if this happened to my grandpa one time that must mean that everybody that I see on the side of the road has the same mentality and that's not necessarily true but, but what if it's our step of compassion that we see or what if it's somebody that you see crying on this in the or in the grocery store or 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 whatever it is and say hey like can I help you are you okay can I give you a hug <laughs> actually I uh when I went to Europe last week or a couple weeks ago on my way home I had this issue where my flight, my first flight landed late and my flight to take me home um, was like, it was getting, I had like an hour and so I like get off the plane and I run across the thing and I take a bus all the way across Heathrow and if any of you have ever been to London Heathrow Airport, it is huge and it is awful. And and then I, then you have to go through security again. So then I run to security and they're like, you don't have the right boarding pass. So I go run to get my boarding pass. I had an hour and they're like, oh, sorry, we're not going to let you on your plane home. I was like, what do you mean? They're like, oh, you don't have enough time to get, you don't have enough time to get from, through security and onto your plane, even though I had an hour, and they're like, sorry, you can't get on this flight home. And I was like, oh, I just want to go, I just want to go home to Dominic, like, what do you mean? And she hands my passport to someone else and goes, I don't know, he'll figure it out for you. And they, so they found me, and I was like, and, that, and then I started to just cry, because I was exhausted, I hadn't, like, had been up for like 36 hours without sleep, I had to sleep overnight in an airport, which doesn't work. And I was just so tired. I just want to go home. So then they figure out my flight. They're like, okay, we can get you on a flight in like, you know, three hours. So now you have to go back to the terminal you were in before. And now you need to go through this extra American check. And then you need to get your new. And I was just like, I was just a mess. I didn't know where I was supposed to go. And I was like walking through the airport, crying hysterically, just to be real. And I was like so upset. And I was like, and nobody talked to me until I got down to the edge. And I was just like, I didn't even know where I was supposed to go. I just like attempted to find signs. And I was super upset because all I wanted to do was go home. And um, this guy, this like, it makes me even like get emotional. Like this super sweet um, British guy, just this like older uh, British man just talks and goes, darling, darling, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he's like, are you okay? What, what's wrong? How can I help you? And I was like, my flight? I was like, oh, my fiance, I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Like, I don't know. He's like, okay, okay, what time does your flight leave? And I was like, I don't know. And I said, like, my thing. <laughs> I don't know, what is this thing? circle it. He's like, it's okay. You have, like, three hours. You're going to go stand in this line, and you're going to wait, and then this nice man's going to give you a boarding pass, and then you're going to come over here. Can I give you a hug? I'm so sorry. It's okay. And he gives me a hug, and he's like, you're going to be okay. It's okay. You're going to get home to your fiance. It's going to be fine. 
fine. You're going to make it. And I was like so, I swear he was an angel because I turned around. I like got in the slide and I turned around to thank him once I had calmed down and he was gone. I mean, he probably shifted shifts. But like seriously, this guy was such an answer for me because I was so upset. And I just like swore I wasn't going to get home and I was going to be stuck in London forever. You know, like, which was an absolute just extreme emotion. But that was like, I was so And this one man just stopping and like helping me figure out where I needed, what line I needed to get in, what bus I needed to get on, and telling me it was gonna be okay and give me a hug, like changed my whole experience. And even Dominic was like, I wanna thank this man because I was so, it was like midnight at home. So my poor parents and Dom wake up to these like billions of text messages from me saying, I'm never coming home, I'm upset, you know? And this man like totally changed my, like made it okay and I made it home just fine. And then the other guy too that was like so nice and these other guys were so helpful. And I just think like, oh my gosh, if I stopped at every person that I thought looked upset or gave them a hug or what if I offered just this small moment of compassion because like he was partly doing his job and telling me where I needed to go, but he didn't need to like tell me, give me, ask me if he could give me a hug and tell me that it was going to be okay and like give me like, and like love on me that I so needed at that moment, you know? And I know that's kind of like a, it's like a random example. We don't walk people by people hysterically sobbing every day, but you know, taking a moment to reach out to the people that look like they need it kid is such an example of Jesus. Whether it's super simple as like giving someone a five or buying somebody lunch or inviting them to come to church with you or asking, say, hey, let's hang out. Let's go get coffee or, um, you know, taking a couple of minutes to connect with somebody at the grocery store or somebody next to you. Simple things like that, even just being incredibly kind, well, can change someone's life. It really can. this is another, this is a random story, but we, uh, at Panera, they're always talking about, like, connecting with people and, and having connections with people, and um, there is a story of somebody, I don't know what cafe, somewhere in one of our cafes in California, where this, one of these managers just made it a point to connect to this old man all the time when he came in, an elderly man, and connected with him, always asked him how he was doing, and um, that elderly man was actually, like, had lost everything in his life, and he was wanting to commit suicide. And he didn't because one of these managers at Panera went out of his way to just be kind to him every day. Didn't do anything extravagant. He just was kind to him every day. And this man came a couple, I don't know when, and said, hey, like, and said the story and said, I wanted to commit myself but kill myself. But you being so kind to me showed me that, like, I had a life worth living because somebody cared about me. So I didn't. And it completely changed this guy's life around. And and he became, like, a new person because of the the simple, like, day-in, day-out kindness that this manager chose to show one of his customers. And we just don't know what people are going through. And as Christians, we don't need to, like, yes, there's time to go around and be like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But there's also times to just be like, hey, how are you? My name is Emily. Like, come and sit and have coffee with me. Or I hope you have a really great day today. And it's something that can be so simple and so genuine can, can change somebody's life. As uh, verse from... Uh, First uh, Peter two twenty one to twenty five says, "For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in His steps." That means that not every decision we make to live a life that looks like Jesus is going to be easy. It's not going to be simple. People could, uh, your friends might think of you a little weird if you don't go to whether it's a party or you don't want to go see that movie or certain things and whether it's not about whether or not they think of your it's not about trying to be better than them it's not about whether or not they think you're stuck up or snooty it's about trying to protect our hearts and living in a way that's honoring to god so that might mean like a little bit of distance with certain friends that might mean like not choosing to be in a relationship with somebody because it's not god honoring verse continuing in verse 22 it says he never sinned nor ever deceived anyone that's crazy. <laughs> he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in the body of the in his body on the cross, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you were healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. We have come to a place where we've turned to Jesus. We're with him. We say, God, you, are, you have my heart. You have my life. I walk with you every day of my life. So now we want 
him to not only like have our hearts and our souls, but to have our life, to have our day in and day out life. And and, and this is a place where I want to, I want to kind of, I want to challenge us. I want to end on a note of, of challenge, challenging ourselves to think through a lens of, of the eyes of Jesus. And you think, okay, Jesus, what did Jesus do? Jesus talked to the Father. Jesus asked the Father what he was doing, and then he did it. Jesus, he connected with him. He lived in a way that, that had integrity. He didn't deceive anybody. He never retaliated against anybody that made him angry. He let God be just. He did what was right. And now, we're not perfect, and we're going to make mistakes, and we're going to fall, and that's Okay. Because that's why we have Jesus. Because it's, it's not possible to do that without him. But I think that we can challenge ourselves to eliminate some of our bumps and bruises along the way. I think that we can live in a way that might be uncomfortable right now. But that it's going to be really awesome later on. Because if we think now, if I practice now living in a way that I want to live in five years and ten years then by the time I get there, you don't start becoming that person you want to become once you're there. You start it now so that by the time you get there, you're already walking in it. You know, a pastor doesn't start to preach once they're a pastor. They practice before. They have opportunities to speak. They conduct themselves in a way, you know, you don't suddenly, we always use Dr. E.R., you don't suddenly just become a doctor and you're like, oh, I'm a doctor and now I can perform surgery. Like, no, there is a lot of years of practice and things that go into becoming that. It's a process, right? It's not going to just happen and suddenly she's going to hold a scalpel and cut somebody open. Like, no, she's going to have practiced a lot before it becomes to that point. You know, nurses, how many times do they practice giving blood before they, or practice pulling blood before all that kind of stuff? I can go to a million examples. So if we want to make, if we want to live in a way that honors God for the rest of our lives, we start practicing that right now. And 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 I believe all of you honor God already. That's not at all what I'm saying. That is not the heart of this because all of you already honor God. You all live in a way that's honoring to God. But I think we can challenge ourselves to like calling people to new heights. That's what we do at Summit. I think this is an opportunity to call ourselves to a new height, to take up a step, whether it's really small and you pick one thing. Say, you know what, today I'm going to focus on my thought life. I'm going to focus on what I'm struggling with this. I'm going to focus on honoring God at work and not bash-talking my boss. Or I'm going to honor doing these things the right way. Even if it's something little, pick something little. I think we can all of us take a minute and think of one thing in your life that I'm sure we all can Pick a, a something that we can challenge ourselves and say, I'm going to try to live like Jesus in this area. And maybe, Anthony, if you could put on a little sweet something. Well, some sweet. No, some, some. I don't know. Some sort of sweet dog. I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> and I want us to just take a minute and think about this. Because, again, hear my heart. It's not about condemning anybody here right now. It's not about any of that. It's about challenging ourselves to live at a new level. It's about challenging ourselves to take a new step. Whether Maybe it's your music. I heard, a, I heard a message years ago when I first came to the church, like six, years, six seven years ago now. Pastor Andrew preached this message. Uh, yeah, it's good. Um, where he, was, he preached about music and, and he was talking about media and how he started listing off these, all, like, these super popular songs and he read like the, some of the lyrics from them, and you just like wouldn't you'd be surprised at how like terrible they sounded. And he said even when you or even like subconsciously like commercials that come on TV, and we don't even realize what it can do to us. And that message like completely changed my life to where like I mean Pastor and this is like kind of radical. Pastor Andrew threw out all of his old CDs. He saved like the really great like fantastic guitar player ones and all that stuff, but he got rid of all the stuff that like wasn't honoring to God. And I, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to do this. And I stopped listening to any of the things that I would like deliberately listen to, to like, whether it be like a sad song, to like put, take myself to like some like emotional damage place, you know, that we can, we have done, you know, those country songs that hit you in the sweet spot. And I'm like, oh, I just want to go and be sad. No, like I, I decided I was going to, to change that and, and listen to songs that, that were uplifting or honoring of God and worship music or whatever. And that's just an example, but I want to just take a minute and just think about how can, what is there something that I can do to, to live, honor God a little bit more? Even if it's something small or big that's between you and the Lord. I want us to just take a second to think about it and pray about it. Uh, and then we'll kind of pray and end together. So Lord, I just thank you so much um, 
that you're just going to speak to us right now. That I just pray right now that you would show each and every one of us a little thing, a way that we can challenge ourselves to honor you a little bit more. To, to, to honor you a little bit more. To live in a way a little bit more for you every day. Small or big, whatever it is, God, I just pray that you would show us exactly what it's supposed to be, Lord. Now, I want us to kind of take this a step further, and I want you just in like continuing in your kind of mode of prayer. Whatever that thing is that you've identified that you want to challenge yourself in, I want you to ask the Lord if there's a person either in this room or in your life who can help hold you accountable to this thing. Even if it's something really small, there's something that helps when we have a community and accountability to help us. Because we can't do it on our own. We've established that. We need Jesus, but we also need community. So just take a minute longer and ask the Lord, who can help me live and and continue to honor this commitment that I want to make? Thank you for what you're speaking to each of us around this room. And so if you've thought of that person, I want you to, whether you do it right now or not, if you want to take out, take out your phone and text to them or set a reminder on your phone that you're going to text that person and say, hey, I'm in, in to, to hold you accountable to it, even if it's something simple and small. Because the thing is, is it, it helps so much. It really does. You know, I have different people who are helping me. Thank you for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsandmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.